0: The Red Sox, 937, FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Search and browse more privately. Download the free DuckDuckGo app today. We're always live on the Free Odyssey app. With Ken Laird and Chris Curtis on WEEI.
1: From the Ford Clubhouse Fenway Studio, what a great day to be alive with my good friend, Christopher John Curtis. Doubleheader baseball today, of sorts, of sorts. we got a resumption of a game at 210, 205 airtime across the Shaw's and Star Market. WEI Red Sox Radio Network and a trade deadline coming soon. It'll be a week from Tuesday, late night in Seattle for the Red Sox that night. Brad Foe joins us here in the uh, studio, in the friendly confines. We've been yay debating. For yes, and yay for McFarland Energy. Yay, yay McFarland! Woo-hoo. Brad yeah, There you go. Um, Paxton <laughs> traded. He goes tonight. I think he's going to be traded. But Curtis thinks they will do nothing. They will not add. They will not subtract. They will stand totally pat. What say Brad Foe, You expert in this stuff. I, I, I think they will do something
2: because they... Number one, even the littlest thing, as everybody in that clubhouse will tell you, tells you what the message is going to be. This is a big deal, right, in terms of the message. Right. The message. And we go back to last year and doing the sort of, like, as Matt Strom said, playing for a field position, then Tom Brady comes in the the game and, and you lose a game. Well, you can't do that all the time. And what happened to them was, yeah, sure, they got back Reese McGuire. They got back some useful guys. But you traded a guy who was perceived in that clubhouse in Christian Vasquez, right or wrong, as a foundation guy. And once he was dealt, everybody thought, well, I don't care what you do from here. It seems like we're giving up. That was the perception in that clubhouse. So this is a big part of it. Chris Martin told me this the other day. He's been through a a few trade deadlines. It, It just a little bit goes a long way. So do I think they'll make a big move? No, I don't right now, I don't. The only way that they make a big move, I think, is if Alex Verdugo's involved. Or maybe Adam Duvall's involved. Like, that's that's the outside-the-box thinking that maybe that people aren't talking about. But in terms of just giving up prospects for the guy who's going to come in and save the day, I don't think that's going to happen.
3: So my question would be, is this similar to the Patriots' sort of uh, what we perceive to be a dysfunctional relationship between the owner and the and the general manager slash head coach, in that John Henry and Heim Bloom appear to be on the same page. We we we, we noted it together. I talked about it with Ken earlier. The bizarre Bob Holler expose detailing the brilliance of Heim Bloom and his family's ties to Boston that don't really exist. So the players and the manager, one would assume, want to be good now as soon as possible. So if they trade off assets do they lose the veterans and should they trade the veterans anyway is there any chance of something like that happening
2: well it's 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 there's a bunch of parts to that well number one is that there are absolutely guys that normally you would trade if you're having the idea of getting back something for the future which if you did that there would absolutely be problems in that clubhouse you know you look at justin turner you look at kenley jansen chris martin even paxton these guys are in there. They are perceived in that clubhouse as solutions, especially Jansen and Turner. Jansen and Turner have come in and
1: they've become the leaders of that team. And Turner, by the way, is making a case you should extend him and keep him here, right? Well, he he's he works here, he fits here. He's one of those guys, Curtis, you mentioned earlier. He's he's somebody that showed they could win. Yeah, here. I've never I've never seen a guy or really guys in those two guys
2: who have come in at, at having not been on the team and not get on the stool in the middle of the clubhouse and said, Hey, everybody, I'm the leader, but basically become the leader. And you saw like Kelly Jansen at the all-star game. When I asked him, Hey, buy?" The, I assume you want to buy. And he's like basically on video crossing his fingers saying, yes, please, <laughs> please buy. I mean, that's the, that's the perception there. When you come to the, the ownership and bloom, and Cora in the, in the clubhouse, number one, you're absolutely right. I think John Henry hired Bloom to do something in a way that Heim Bloom is doing it. And by the way, baseball is lending itself to that way, to basically saying, hey, you know what? Everybody's doing this, and look at the Orioles, look at the Diamondbacks, look at the Reds, look at these teams. You can do it this way, and you can win. So that's only doubling down on the way that they wanted to do it, and I didn't even mention the Rays. Now, with Cora, every manager will say the same thing. Every manager will say, I want to win now. Like you talked about the farm system, what he said about the farm system. Of course, like he, because his contract's up after next year. He wants to win. He doesn't want to finish in last place.
1: And you can be the best manager in the world, but if you don't have the players, then good luck to you. Yeah, but you're painting a picture that they're going to actually buy or at least limited buy, which means they're siding with Cora. That means Bloom's going to be pissed, and if they don't make the playoffs, he'll be like, see, I told you we should have traded Paxton. I think that, first of all, I think that it's as wishy-washy as it is,
2: but this is the reality of baseball. I just did a podcast with Jerry Depoto, the Seattle Mariners GM, who trades more than anybody, and he's at, he said, we got to wait a week. Everybody in baseball is waiting as long as possible in this market, and I think the Red Sox are no exception to this. So, Well, because they're not— excited about what they think they're going to do. If no, they, I, well, no, no, no. I, I think that it's, number one, you have to define yourself, right? You have to define if you go on a losing streak and you fall out of it, but, and all of a sudden you sit the trade deadline seven, eight games back, then you're selling. But I,
3: I, one thing on that, Rob, and I, it bothers me, and I mentioned this, I think, to, I don't know, one of the members of the front office. It's such a self-fulfilling prophecy to say they need to overachieve for us to reinvest into the roster. In other words, you built a flawed roster. The team is treading water. They're in contention within arm's length of the playoffs. And now you say they need to show us once again that they're worth investing but they, but in? They,
2: that's not how they... They don't view it as a flawed roster. And I'll give you the example why they don't view it as a flawed roster. Not only because just you're, you're sitting there on the cusp of a playoff berth. You're sitting there with these the, a good record against good teams. But... Also, when they went into this offseason, one of the things that they were screaming from the mountaintop, Sam and everybody else, hey, this is the first time we have money to spend. Wait till we spend the money. And you know what they did? They actually did spend the money. For this year, they committed about $70 million to contracts, whether it was Yoshida, Jansen, Martin, whoever else. A lot of people didn't like the way they spent it, but they spent it. Endeavors. Endeavors, too but so my point is is that they, this is you said they overachieved in their minds they, they didn't look at the over under win total for the betting lines of 74 whatever it is
3: Heim Blooms is a fan graphs guy right he's in alum of that he worked I, there I mean yeah but but i don't think Heim Bloom they're not going to spend no seven, I'm, not, I'm not i'm not asking about yeah. fan graphs do you think Heim Bloom this when he entered the season in his own projections had them as at, a 90 win team had them making the place playoffs yeah Wow! I, I, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, like I
2: don't think I think he was in the minority, and I think that this the problem with his team is that you have to have so many things go right, and w- right, but that's with the Red Sox. You didn't used to have that. I know, this Chris, I'm you're preaching the converted here. Yeah, no, I'm not mad at like, you. I'm no, mad at their, no, their but post. I'm like, I like, I said all along that like at some point you have to pay for certainty, and you know where they paid for certainty. At the back end of the bullpen, right. and you know that how that's worked out. It worked out pretty well, and Great. it's really, really important. Where they didn't pay for certainty is in the starting rotation, and now you're, you're 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 treading water there,
3: and potentially trading one of the two guys you've been able to rely on. And you know what I just? But Radford says no. I mean, I'm Saxton
2: stu- I don't think they'll trade Pack. Okay, good. Well, I, hey, mean, you, I mean, again, ask me in a week. I might have a different answer, but right now. I'm going to call you at four today. Please. Um, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> I just, I'll be picking up trash in the in the stands.
3: Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, you and Hyde. Uh, yeah. um, so, I just thought of this. So, we talked about the holder piece in the Globe. Do you remember the big winter weekend when they edited out the booing of Bloom? On the Nesson oh, the, broadcast. Oh you,
2: oh, you mean the last Winter
3: weekend? Yeah. I remember the last Winter Recon, so, yeah. So, do you think if those boos were directed at the manager and not Heimbloom, mm. that they would have been edited out mm. of the broadcast? Interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's a good question. Because I'm question. thinking back to that about the, the sort of protection of the image it wasn't that they were booing, they were booing the ownership, but it was the animus was really direct oh, yeah. at Heim Bloom saying, You bets, put your bets in. Like you had <laughs> <tried> to get <laughs> the stupidest. It was almost, uh, honestly, every was so time funny. I listen to that, all I can think of is uh,
2: Welker. Like I, yeah. I feel like somebody bet him to say bets as many times and, and like, Belichick bench time balloon first game <laughs> yeah, exactly but I, it, it, there's no question of, this is this is the fascinating part to me it, because old, you know we talk about the building up of the area around here and the people coming in and and it's still a business, right right And so i I want to see it's all well and good to build up a team this way. the Orioles, all these teams I mentioned. But the Orioles gutted their fan base by doing it. The a lot of these teams, you can't as simply put, and I've had GMs tell me this, you cannot do that in Boston to the extent these other teams do it. It becomes a business issue. So when does if if they lose with this strategy, then I, I wouldn't I would be shocked if they don't pivot at least somewhat because guys, we've gone through this ownership group for the last 20 years, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Every single time up until recently, the course correction has been dramatic. You know, go down the list, you know, Oh, you know, John Lester leaves. We're going to pay $40 million more for David price. And that's not good enough. We're going to go make this massive trade for Chris sale. We need a bat. Well, we're going to go get Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval. Oh, Dave Dombrowski, you you didn't, you're not coming through the year after you win the world series. Okay, you're fired. Every time there has
1: been a dramatic course correct correction except now. Well, you well, you but they traded Vasquez and now you're saying they're going to correct and not trade anybody. They won't trade Paxton because of the backlash. Well, no, I no, I think that they won't trade anybody because I think that if this the re, the other
2: reality of their situation is that they're good enough to win in the playoffs. They're good enough to make the playoffs and they're good enough to win the playoffs. Are they a flawed team? Absolutely. But the fact of the matter is is that you have uh, an American League, which there is no team that you say, oh, my goodness, you can't beat them. That, that's just how it is. Baltimore. Honestly, Baltimore. Well, and team to fear. the
3: other thing that is wide open, and I know it's probably not on the top ten things that they worry about, but you are on the precipice of owning the town in October if you get there, because ooh,
2: this was my the Reds Remember my my Red Sox are going to be more popular than the Patriots. Right. The, I started the Tom show with it two years yeah. ago. We, we, Thought, we yeah. had no for you, and and that and, that hot I, and take. for a day it was accurate. Right, you know, <laughs> for about
3: twenty minutes we were doing some solid Portland Sea Dogs play by play talk this morning. So, uh, but <laughs> this is something that I know that the front office, you know, whether it's probably not high in bloom, but. John Henry, Sam Kennedy, you know, the, the ownership is always aware of the team standing locally, just like the Patriots, Celtics, and Bruins are. So you have the door pretty wide open right now where the Patriots, at best, are going to be looking at a 500 team come October. And if you're in vying for a playoff spot with Pedro starting a one-game playoff, baby Pedro going out there, you have the city again, like you did in, you know, 2021 for a couple weeks.
2: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And, and I'll come back to, this is how ownership has always done it. And this is, I think they've, they've, I, patient isn't the right word, but they've definitely taken a different approach going through this year. Because if you finish last place two of the last three years before, forget about it. I mean, there you are, you are investing more in bigger names. You are getting shirt uh, names in the back of the little kids' shirts. It, there's not Devers. So yeah, I mean, I think by every time that anyone asks me this about Bloom and the way he's doing things, and so, I, it's the reality is that. It is a results business. So when you get to October, when we get to October 1st, the last game of the regular season, either you're in the playoffs or you're not. Correct. And, and by the way, as it looks right now, if you aren't in the playoffs, that is a missed opportunity. You know why? Because it's not every year where it's so wide open. Not only in terms of the American League, but if you're in the third wild card, you know who you play? You play the Minnesota Twins or oh, the Cleveland
3: man. Guardians. That's
2: true. It, it, you, probably the Who
3: favorite. has the edge, Frank Connor or Cora? <laughs> oh,
1: I mean, two, two Hall of Famers I mean, right there. There you go. All right, Bradfield is with us. Can you stick one more sure. second? I have, as you know... a uh, a couple of years ago, Kyle Gibson was my coveted trade deadline piece. <laughs> now that you're telling me they might buy, I've got a whole list here. You know, uh, you know what? Go Ken, through the list.
3: You know what the biggest move Ken said the Celtics made in recent memory? Acquiring Tristan Thompson he had a <laughs> oh, friend in Cleveland. Oh, well, I had some me. intel on that. The, by the way,
1: he and Kim Kardashian went to the Messi debut last night. They're back together. Tristan okay, Thompson I, has stand, thank standing. Thank God, power. Tom. Can you God, can no. you tweet out the
3: screenshots from those text messages from your Cleveland source,
1: please? I, I will. And, right. and by the
3: way, so this guy didn't even play. Whatever the the soccer Messi.
1: Messi, he played, he won. He he won the game. game. He won the game.
3: But he didn't start. So I saw there was uproar. There was all these people mad. Uproar, it was like selling. Somebody called
2: it the most iconic moment in United States soccer history. You you know,
3: one thing I'm so certain of, soccer will it always be. It's
1: for the future? Amen. John Rom, three back, by the way, at the Open Championship after 63. And America beat
3: Vietnam. Also, hey,
1: listen, Dippin'
2: Dots,
3: Ice Cream of the Future. I love Dippin' Dots. (laughs) Those things are going to catch on, just like Mark James.
1: More with Brad Foe. Brian Furzoko will try to catch on with a trending update right
0: now. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search, then download. This is Ken and Curtis on W-E-E-I.
1: At the Ford Clubhouse Fenway Studio, brought to you by your New England Ford dealers and their Discover Summer Sales Event. Large inventory in stock. Now is the best time to trade in, trade up, and discover your best summer ever with Ford. Ken Laird, Chris Curtis, my good buddy, and Bradfoe, bonus Bradfoe segment. And a quick, quick thing I want to throw in there. And I was not asked to correct
3: this. I, I was actually the opposite. But I heard uh, from Bob Holler and he chose that story. He said that he doesn't always do investigative stories. Which so story now? Reset the story. Yeah, I'm sorry. There was a story in he- on Heim Bloom. I think at the end of May, um, that was a long form Bob Holler story about the roots that that tied Heim Bloom's family to the Boston area. He said that it was something that interested him, and that's why he chose it. So I want to. Be fair, and when I uh, hear from someone, I would like to express their side of the story. So that is from Bob Holder. It was not a John Henry edict or something that he was trying to do investigative on. It was more of a feature that he does from
1: time to time. Very good. Now, Bradville, trade deadline. You have declared the Red Sox will not be sellers. No, I didn't declare that. It's your opinion? That's what has to be in a week. Okay. I you mean, said you said you're leaning toward right now. You, right think, now, be, you I think, think they'll be bite. I think I think right now, yeah,
3: because Well that baseball isn't boring, but that take is boring.
2: I of course it you. is. But you know what? Sometimes you just gotta be realistic, especially when when it comes to I mean I, I, I just oh, saw Jackson
3: I, running down the street with fifty new I know. Is I that, love how that bothers is that, me. He and Bob Nightingale. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I've caught, Bob Nightingale, I've, what a weird guy. I, I've caught Jackson in like 50 lives regarding Oh, my right God. Here. Jackson, and I mean this with all the love of my heart, he is me when I was drinking. Whenever I was asked anything, I was asked what color my shirt is. Like, it's not that. It's not
1: red. <laughs> Jackson did a great job filling in for Shime, I thought, last he, week and Monday.
2: Did, he did. He a great job in that and great job in stealing my sweatshirts. Okay. Uh, but you, but think uh, they, you think
1: they – right now you're leaning towards their buyers. Yeah. Their yeah, buyers. Yes. Which is but, so exciting to me. I have the whole – I know. I, can, I can, You look almost overwhelmed with joy. Well, wow, I, lo- I love a good trade deadline deep dive uh, into the starting
2: I'm, pitch I'm, I'm telling you, like, the part of it, though, that no one talks about is trading guys who are useful to this team right now off of the roster and not necessarily being sellers. I mean, like, so, like, for instance, Alec Verdugo is a year and a half out. You cannot B- trade Verdugo. All right. Well, hear me out. I'm not saying. I don't think they should. Now, Kike, you have my ear. <laughs> I'm sure that you do. I mean, the guy might be DFA'd, like, <laughs> in, in, a, in a couple days here. Well, but uh, anyway. So, like the No
1: More Trade Part 2.
2: For, 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 well, there you go. Verdugo has a is going to be a free agent after next year. I talked to him yesterday. And he said he has not talked about contract uh, talks with the Red Sox. So you go back to Mookie Betts. When he had a year and a half out at that deadline in 2019, they at at least discussed internally putting him out on the market. And they were sort of in it then, 2019. But it's because you get the most value, not even close, for that guy when you're at that situation, the deadline with a year and a half, with a season and a half to go. So as valuable as Verdugo is, if they are not talking contract with him, then what does that suggest to you? Verdugo gone? Well, I mean, I, I just I don't <laughs> think it'll happen. But I do think that you have to at least uh, in, introduce that conversation. Heim Bloom did it. But Bloom did this with David Price back in
3: 2014. But isn't Verdugo a guy that like the fan relates to? He plays right.
2: hard. He's kind Price of, shows it on his sleeve. They paid like, to get rid of Price. Well, not not, not in Tampa.
3: Oh, oh, yeah, I'm talking about in Tampa. But I I don't know. I have never been less uh, aware in terms of what I believe to see – what I believe I will see in the next month or two with the Boston Red Sox. I just – they could go all in. I could see them actually do it. I could see, I don't know, Shohei, but – they could add and, and trade some 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 pieces and, and and act like they're really in this thing. And I could see them trading Paxton and, and unloading. Let I, me you, paint the picture for you. Oh the apple of my eye. Oh, like Kyle use. Gibson of twenty twenty three. Bradfoe was on I'll, the Leroy call. Leroy Neiman of uh, yeah, uh, trade well, well, deadline. It's
1: time for Ken to Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> Bradfell on the call in Chicago. Wrigley Field. Marcus Stroman. Last week. Nice W. Okay. Over the Red Sox. Why the W? Talking about my free slippers at the hotel. Yes, go ahead. 32 years old. He's going to opt out. He's going to be a rental. But this guy is durable. 21 starts this year, 3.09 ERA, 10 and 7. He also hates the Jays because he used to pitch for the Jays. So he's got a little extra motivation to beat Toronto. <laughs> you steal him away from the Rays and the Astros who are both in on him. You bring in Marcus Stroman for your rental deadline acquisition. That is the guy. First of all, I like you personally, and
2: I respect you. Plus the Theo competition. Uh, It's your prerogative to be wrong. (laughs) They aren't renting. This is one thing that I'm pretty confident of. They are not doing a rental. They are not trading for a rental like that that's going to cost them anything significant. I don't think but that. You said there were happen.
1: buyers. You got my hopes up. Well, there's all re- relative terms of that being a buyer. But wouldn't that make a splash? What if you bring Stroman in and you add an ace at the deadline? That of course would it would. Be. We would all love it. That would. not love it? That would be a buck. This is. You're not alone in wanting to like. I know. God, honk it up more, Ken. Well, why wouldn't they consider? If they're going to be a buyers, why wouldn't you do a rental? That be, wouldn't cost. Because money. because wouldn't they have to give Meyer for him. Oh, now they're making afford a rental. Bougie. <laughs> Have you ever gotten a courtesy car? Curtis uh, painted this picture earlier in the show that he often has to go get his luxury car checked in, and they have courtesy cars from the drive around. Whenever Ken makes a bad and point, he's he tries upset, he pivots. They, they were out of cars. courtesy cars, and I said, "I have never in my life had this happen to me, where yeah, I've you given you got your car, a courtesy from, car for free from Ernie Bach." <laughs> I did not. I paid out the nose for it <laughs> for a Honda Civic. But but yeah. you but you got a great deal. It was a great right? deal, yeah, but yeah, I still yeah, paid. Yeah, I didn't right. get a discount. <laughs> Anyway, as, I don't, it's bizarre that you're
2: obsessed with the courtesy. As much as as much as you you didn't want to pivot, you that was the ultimate pivot. Oh, okay. So course. why am I wrong? From, from Marcus Stroman to the to oh, Curtis's Stroman would be outstanding. Okay. Yes, At but I'm just telling you that 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 most likely isn't going to happen. Well, that's sad. Look, that's when when, when, they, when they when they went out and got when they got went out and got Kyle Schwarber, Schwarbaum. Okay. Yes, exactly. Uh, from uh, from Waltham, and he did it, oh what a great acquisition. A he didn't play for 3 weeks cuz he had a hamstring issue. So you got him on the cheap. B you gave up a guy. Good luck finding him on baseball reference. Right. I mean, he's done nothing. So you have to you have to this is this is ultimately whether they buy, sell, say we got all these guys coming back. I hate to say it, but The Heim Bloom year. This is ultimately going to have to wait till September to define whether or not you are in it or not. And I'll go back to last trade deadline. Last trade deadline, they try to thread the needle. They try to do the buying, the selling, and all of that. Also, Milwaukee, Milwaukee trades Josh Hader, one of the best closers in baseball, and they're three games up. Well, they can have. Somebody write a story how this for the long haul is all good and this worked out. No, it is a results business for Milwaukee, for the Red Sox last year, and for the Red Sox this year, it is going to be what is going to happen after you take whatever strategy you did. Because last year, Milwaukee, three games up, they trade hater, they don't make the playoffs. Mm. Like,
3: that's what it comes down to. But here's my question for you. Sam Kennedy making the appearance on the Greg Hill show made the case without saying that this is what they're going to do, that the reinforcements are reinforcements are coming and that they, I read it as or heard it as that they're not buying. Is Sam Kennedy going to have to make that same uh, pitch to the team? In other words, was he talking just to us or is he trying to get the, the vibe out there to everybody that hears that, that, Stop waiting for reinforcements. We are not. Now, well, so here's the thing. Every player that I've talked to about this, they say the same thing
2: with one caveat, but it sure would be nice to get a little help. Like that's, that's what they say. And they know like you, you could play that game of filling in the gaps with all these guys coming back, but I'll come back to what I said before for the players. It's as much about message as almost anything else. It is saying, "Hey, front office, you believe in us because the perception last year, because of one player, not because of who went and who came back, because of one player, Vasquez. The perception was the front office doesn't believe in us. They can keep Bogars and they can keep Martinez and Navaldi,
1: but when you trade Vasquez, but that turned out to be a good deal, right, or a reasonable deal for from Bloom's standpoint, they had a replacement and they got value for Vasquez, right? But in terms of
2: what they wanted to do." Last year, thinking that you could actually do that deal and compete.
3: It wasn't the right deal. But the only message that will be worth a damn is if the team wins and the ownership is invested in the roster. Like everything else is just window. But but but, and you're absolutely
2: right. And that's why I said you can do it this way. That's fine. That's fine. That's cool. You do it this way, but you can't finish last and you cannot not make the playoffs or be in, in the conversation when the Patriots start playing games. So
3: my question is, how are they doing anything? I uh, you say that they're not going to trade Paxton, and I think that's a smart move. So if they're not trading Paxton, and they're not, you know, outside of a crazy, you know, not crazy, but a, a long shot Verdugo deal, what are you? You know what you did Verdugo? in
2: 2021? You traded for Hansel Robles and Austin Davis, two relief pitchers, and you can say, well, they're no names, but and they, Schwarber. but they, and Schwarber, those three guys, and they helped. They all helped do what you want to. You know what they gave up? Nothing. Like
3: zero, I mean, look, go look at the guy. Uh, I'm Blooms on line four, telling us that Corber's hitting
1: <laughs> 190 right now. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, he hits who, who would
3: Yes, he got very He's, sensey about that one. Who booby. <laughs> yeah. Well Well,
1: uh, I talked to my man Joe Castiglione last night. You know who he wants back? Uh, oh, Sanders. <laughs> <Standard. laughs> oh,
3: come on, I know, of course.
1: A certain left-handed yeah, pitcher. Yeah, uh, who's the oldest,
2: the oldest professional athlete in professional sports. Yeah,
1: Rich Hill, bring him on back. Yeah, that could be dumpster dive. Well, well, I mean, Rich. Wait, well, Castiglione and Rich Hill are born in the same year. Oh. So there's a lot in common. <laughs> Texter says Aaron Savali, Northeastern kid. How about him from Cleveland? Oh, God. Okay, <laughs> you've lost ninety percent of the audience. I think he could be a fit. I mean, if, uh, what, Erod. What about Erod? Uh, how about Adam Ottavino? He's right here. Yeah, he's, he's another Northeastern kid.
2: That's uh, bullpen guy. We don't need him. What before. about Coach Cohen? <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point is that you can do things that doesn't cost you hardly at all. Like it doesn't,
1: and and it might not. But th- you think that is enough to win the clubhouse to say, all right, at least they didn't sell. They gave us. I something. think the biggest. I, I think the biggest thing is
2: definitely do not gut gut important parts of that clubhouse because then you're going the other way, mm. and and if you can add something something at all just to say, hey hey,
1: we believe in you, then there you go. Let's take a few phone calls for Bradfo. David in the car here on the Kenny Curtis Show. Hello, David.
2: Hey, good morning, guys. So here's my whole thing with what's going on in New England with, with these teams and, and the frustrations of the fans. We went 60, 15 years or so since 86 and one before we saw a championship. Since one we've had 12 championships in this town,
0: and we haven't had anything in five years. So that was 6-4-1-1, one, and, one. and we haven't had nothing in five years. And I think the fans are getting to the point where teams aren't making the playoffs. If they do, they lose in the first round. If they go to the semifinals,
2: then they lose. When you're paying all kinds of money, like we do, to go to games, we support the teams, the Celtics, you name all of them, and then we're not getting anything in return, it's very frustrating. And I think that's the reason why people are being very vocal
0: and they really want to see something, whatever that is. Like, we need a championship of one of these four teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Celtics got you close, so... It's not first run I, for every I, I, team. I use this um, analogy,
2: I guess, going back with when it comes to the Red Sox. And you guys have gone through this. At least Chris has gone through this. When the ownership group took over, and I'm now talking, okay, you win the World Series. Now you're into 2005, 2006, 2007. right? And the term pink hats came, came around, yep. right? And the reason was was because they did a great job of marketing the team and getting in all the people who were sort of on the periphery in terms of fandom hey, we're going to put your kids in red Sox gear. Coco Crisp's
3: dad was a member of Red Sox Nation. Yeah,
2: so all of that. Good for them for marketing. But what happens when you do that, when you ask people to invest their time and their money, what happens is when you don't get the payoff, they're like, wait, wait, this isn't what we signed up for. And I do think that there's that element of this in Boston. And, And it should be. like You ask, you said it. It's the most expensive place to come to. You better win. That is a results business and I don't care how the roster looks like in September are you winning or are you losing? You right. know, you can have you can have Bryce Harper on the last place team it doesn't make a difference. But if you have a winning team, then people are going to want to put on all that gear that you asked them to buy. But if you don't have a winning team, everyone's like, why
3: do I have this? No, it's the same. It's the analogy I bring up. But if you go to Moo in the seaport, which I have yet to do, um, and you're spending $90 for a ribeye and it comes out and it's like a Salisbury steak that you'd get, you know, at a sizzler, you're never going to go back. And while going to Fenway Park, the draw is a lot of the, you know, what's a lands down where we are, you know, inside the park, it's a great place for a family if the team isn't performing, you're going to stop spending 120 bucks a ticket pretty quickly. And this is where it comes back
2: to me where it's like, okay, when does the business side of this take hold? Because we can talk about them taking this route and being in contention. But when you look at attendance, now we're a couple of years away from the pandemic. Now this isn't like you're coming out of the pandemic. You have to give $9 seats to anybody who asked you're, you're away from that. You look at attendance, the attendance, the The average attendance for the Red Sox right now is the lowest. It may be the lowest I think in this ownership's
3: tenure. I looked it up the other day. Well, last year was the lowest since he bought the team. It's lower than
2: last year. Wow. And
3: and, and also Wait, say that again for Ken. It's lower than last year. Wow. That's not the
2: but 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 anyway. also. Been good. Yeah. Well, I mean, there you go. But it's it's also you know. So Curtis had a courtesy car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's get let's get back to that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that you, you can't you can't keep going down that road. And, and let's be honest, guys. A lot of this, the nine dollar ticket thing, is a very real thing. I mean, good for them for thinking of ways to get people in the park, and you lowered the demographic significantly. Right. But you have to start easing up where people
1: don't get the nine dollar tickets. But now you know John Henry as well as anybody. I, give you credit, I do. You had, you had the last interview with him in London, as I often point out. <clears throat> Uh is it fair to say... That might have been the longest game in sports history. was that like seven hours, that yeah. game? with the, oh, the London game? Yeah.
3: Oh, the worst. That yeah, might have led I, to the pitch clock directly. Yeah. Was, there's definitely a 30 for 30 on those yeah. games. And yeah. then my favorite was
1: everybody accepting cheating, like, what about Carlos Beltran?
3: And everybody after the <laughs> game, it was a wild way to sell the team abroad. Anyway, carry on. But is
1: it fair to characterize John Henry as he is fickle to the point of they could be in San Francisco a couple days before the deadline, and he may decide on a whim, we're buying, we're going for it, or we're selling. He may pick up the phone and call Bloom and change direction that quickly with, as you described, the flips, the 180s this franchise has taken. I
2: don't think – I think that John Henry and the ownership group has taken the same tact with Haim Bloom as they took with Dave Dombrowski, and which is you're going to make the decisions. You're going to tell us what's right and wrong. Up until – with one exception, I think Devers painted them into a corner. Right, Devers was there was and no. The fans did; they were yelling at him. coming well, in on well the also classic. it was everybody understood Devers' market was only going to get more. So, you, and there was reaction to Bogart's leaving. Oh, there's no question. Yeah, so Devers. I
1: think that that's the time where ownership stepped in and said, "Hey, I don't. We aren't." Well, we aren't and last football. year the negative reaction to Vasquez, they stepped in and changed the direction. So well, the fan base reaction had an impact wait, after who, who these, changed the direction of what. Of the Vasquez. After Vasquez, they didn't trade anybody else. They could have. They 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 changed.
2: No, they didn't trade anyone else because he didn't get the value that he wanted for those players. Ooh. And that's 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 not a compliment, but that was the reality. They, you, they, you don't think Henry stepped in and said no. No, I don't, th- I don't think I don't think so. I think that with what John Henry did with Dave Dombrowski, which was the right thing to do, which is we don't know, we didn't know who was making the decisions. Larry Lucchino and Ben Sherrington and all these people said, You're making the baseball decisions. That's it. You do it your way. And he did it his way. And then in 2019, when he's sitting on that London field saying, you know, a couple months in the season after winning the World Series, said, hey, you know what? Maybe we did it the wrong way. That then about a month and a half later, you're firing the guy. Then you get high bloom and said, same thing we are hiring you to do it the way that you that that you have done it with Tampa to a certain extent or the way that Freeman does it in Los Angeles with the Dodgers we trust you and i think that that hasn't changed at all and will continue to not change until until it gets to the point where it impacts the business right. so badly, that's why and it it's becomes an issue.
3: It's schizophrenic. He's a, he's a deadbeat dad, without a better term, with this organization. He shows up, sees a problem, throws money at it, then he goes back away.
2: But, but, but that's not, I, I'll come back to it. I mean, that's really, I don't disagree with you in terms of how it has been. And I gave the examples of Hanley and Pablo and Price and and Sale and all of these right, guys. But that was six Aruzde years ago. Castillo. Right. And it, this is, this is definitely a different approach. Because there is much more patience. Because it is a mind-blowing. You can talk about the farm system and everything else. They fired Dave Dombrowski like
3: the season after he won a World Series. Right. <sighs> well, he, the sale contract but was worse than him But the Patriots and Red Sox have mirrored one another in, in several ways since they each last won in 2018. In that both institutions thought they were the reason they won and have been humbled to realize they weren't whether it was the way the Red Sox built their teams or they could spend and develop whatever they were doing. Tobrowski, the Patriots, obviously know what changed in 2019. And since then, it has been this search for an identity that neither has has been able to find.
2: I'll say say this. I think the Red Sox approach is that they saw how teams were doing it. And like I said, you have a bunch of these teams proving that maybe this is, uh, there is something to this way of doing things. And the Red Sox approach was our business is going to be okay because this approach has elicited more wins than almost any team in Tampa Bay like, or with the Dodgers. And so this approach is going to get wins, and wins, not the names on the back of the jerseys, are the most important thing when it comes to keeping the business
3: going. But if you're going to get those pin cuts we discussed when we began this segment, you need to have relationships that exist over the period of time between the fans and and, and and the team.
2: I don't disagree with you. I think that what has to happen is you have to start finding, whether it's Marcelo, whoever it is, you have to start finding people who they want to invest in. That's how the best way I can put it. People, because that, right now it's the manager. That's it. Right. They well
3: endeavors. You know, so endeavors. Right, but it's but, still, they're still. But a they want when you sign guys Ishida. to Yeah, I mean for me it's Castig. Right. Well, exactly.
1: Marcus Strowman. Can you do some digging on Strowman? Can I have What, a, can what I,
2: digging do you want me to do?
1: Who says no? Marcus Stroman. Story tomorrow for Bradfoe at WEI.com. Please. I, I that thought, makes I so much sense. I thought you wanted us to play the hits, and you're talking Stroman. All right. Bradfoe, I appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Rob. Right, and the guys sun guys comes guys. out. Sun, look, sun is yeah. out. <laughs> look at that. It a lot of work. You're a tall glass of sun tea. <laughs> the Ken and Curtis Show continues from the Ford Clubhouse Fenway Studio.
0: From the Rubenstein Law Studios, 1-800-BOS-LEGAL. This is WEEI, New England's Sports Original. Get Boston Sports Original on the go, wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. We're right back to it. Ken and Curtis on WEEI.
1: What a beautiful weekend. Lansdowne Street, sun is shining here at the House of Blues across from where we are at the Ford Clubhouse family studio. You always say it, July, the best month. Well, I like May. and May came through. June, not so much. Well, I have a question for you. Did Bradfoe come through, by the way? Quick 207 texter. Can he give us even a guess of whether they're adding or not? Maybe if you have him on August 2nd, will he give it any... <laughs> a... Ken Laird has a
3: Ripken-like streak with Bradfoe appearing in every show, and I love him. So, uh... He's got good
1: banter. He had good energy. He didn't quite Put himself out there in terms of intel. I agree right. with that. Um, will there be... So, here here are two things that I think, and
3: I say what's on my mind. Just like I, th- I said Brady was going to retire... Things was, you think you think? Yes. I'm going to write a column with an I do haiku. Um, well, bit ado to Bradford with this. I think two things. One, Bailey Zappi will be the Patriots' starting quarterback next year at this time. Wow. And two, that the Red Where's Sox... Mac? will do absolutely nothing. Well, here's what's happening with Mac. Either he's great and they trade him, or he's bad and they move on from him. They're not going to give Mac Jones anything approaching the Daniel Jones deal. Nowhere near it. So one of the two is is going to happen. And what what I mean we can get into this later, but that's just I the Mac Bill Belichick situation feels like it is past the point of no return. Going back to the OTAs when Mac Jones is discussing his offense and he says, well, yeah, Bill can coach the defense. He does (laughs) does a good job over there. But, you know, we have good players here that help me tell me what I'm doing on offense as as, as well as Bill O'Brien.
1: Yeah, but I think, you know, the old Red Sox, 25 guys, 25 cabs team. The Patriots could be like that with the defense and the offense. Defense takes one card, offense takes another. What do you
3: think Mac Jones thinks about Judon? publicly trying to pursue all these guys, whether it was Lamar Jackson or DeAndre Hopkins. What does Devontae Parker think of that stuff? Like, It, it is very interesting because fan base, one of the big takeaways by the Patriots Bobos after they didn't land DeAndre Hopkins was, ah, Never wanted him. The guy's a bum, doesn't want to practice. Who gives a damn? Well, well you were, I, I was first on that. Okay, well, right. But the, the the social media, the Thursday night, we were up in Keene. You were there. You were mad that I didn't stay at the poorhouse long enough. Yep. And
1: there was a <laughs> legitimate buzz. You that remember day. every negative thing I say about you? It's amazing. I, I you I say remember, like 10 great things about a guy, and I, all they remember is the one negative thing. I was alluding to a
3: night that I remember talking about you on the air, and I remember good and bad. Ken, I love you. God, sensitive. I Jeez. love you as well uh but that night was they i think mike reese had the story at like 6 45 we talked about it when i arrived about how yep doesn't look like it's happening now right that day was the first real positive momentum like forward momentum day that i can remember in a long time for the patriots because it felt like a swing move right it was artificial it, it was fake right but I, I understand that but what i'm telling you is is that What that meant, we've talked about the fan base. We've talked about the offense. We've talked about what it means for Bill and and Mac and Kraft and his pushing of that narrative and all that. But what does it feel? Because the audio we got from Devontae Parker when they had the perceived interest was angry. Yeah. Then he got a new deal. And I just, it's just such a, I have so many, there's so many ways in which the Patriots season can go. And each, I believe, has... Equal likelihood. I think there's a chance that Bill O'Brien unlocks Mac Jones, Trent Brown in a contract year, plays well at left tackle. That's
1: cool. what Garigian said in that five-takes piece. Yep. She thinks Trent Brown is going to have a huge, great contract year. If yep. she's right about that, that is gigantic.
3: So, I mean, who knows, right? Adrian Clem, new offensive line coach, Who, whatever. I, Trent Brown is a guy that is talented. Nobody would deny that. It's just when he likes to apply the talent, which is why the beginning of the season on so many fronts is so huge. You think about the opener – so the first two home games, the first two games of the season, both are sticky. The Brady game. Brady game, which I divulged this week, will be nothing, not a lot. So don't lose your mind about that. <laughs> wow. Sorry, Courtney. There's not going to be a post-game Oh, party. come on. It's,
1: even him coming back is big.
3: No, no. I'm saying in terms of like a huge speech like a Larry Bird night. It's not going to be anything like that. And then week two is the red jersey game.
1: So they're opening the season...
3: With, you know, like uh free t- Cracker Jack night. They
1: have fireworks night three times, I think, so I, in uh,
3: November. I mean, pin the tail on Belichick will be in week <laughs> six. But it, the it, it is so essential, though, with the way they start this season. If, well, even camp. I,
1: I am fascinated by the zappy.
3: And, and Tuesday morning, I cannot repeat it enough. If Greg is able to connect by Tuesday morning from Nantucket, but at 8 a.m.
1: Put ob- that at 40% odds based on our current uh, FedEx. Know. He
3: shitties. just called during the last segment. I thought he listened to the show. Uh, Tuesday morning at 8 is the beginning of camp. Bill Belichick addresses the media. You will hear it live on WEI at 8 a.m. on Tuesday. I
1: want your full Pats Week 1 camp predictions, Ooh, including how many snaps Zappy gets from okay. the team drills. They, they might, act, might be Week 2, right? Do they actually believe, put on full pads right away? They believe don't. in – You know what you told me this
3: week? They practiced in full pads – in the week between the AFC Championship game and Super Bowl thirty-six,
1: I heard that, but they only had one week. That, that's not that surprising, is it? What they would, if without a week off, you would never practice in pads.
3: You would get everybody ready, like by, by uh, giving them rest, right? The reason
1: chess and checkers, yep. Belichick's a genius. Yep, sure is. Eight rings. Uh, he's still, you. I heard you say top three coach. Yeah. This week, you still think he's good. As much as you rip the guy, you still think he's an elite coach in the NFL. Well, he's got a push and pull. He is a horrible judge of talent right now, <laughs> but he's a brilliant guy on the field. All right. We'll uh, expand on the first week of camp and more Red Sox thoughts. 617-779-7937. This is the Kenny Curtis Show.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 4 hours with audio every day.